Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Scripture in Black and White. We're thankful uh, that you joined us again. Uh, as you recognize throughout this season, we have talked about things like marriage. We talked about family, uh, and we've talked about uh, so many issues regarding that and discipling. Uh, but today, as always, I'm here with uh, Bobby Harrington. Uh, good to see you, Bobby. And uh, we also have a special guest, uh, and Bobby's going to tell us about him in just a moment. So, Bobby, I pass it to you, my friend. Great. Thank you, Anthony. It's always great to be with you. So today we have a special guest. His name is Guy Hammond, and Guy uh, is a same-sex attracted man who has developed a ministry that helps same-sex attracted people. His ministry is called Strength in Weakness, and for many decades he's been helping people. And the reason we wanted to have this session uh, in our series this season is because we've looked at the scriptures. Uh, the last two podcasts have been a deep dive into the scriptures in terms of what Jesus teaches us about being same-sex attracted and about that lifestyle and how to think about it and deal with it. But if we don't go to the next step, which is practical help for those who struggle, then we're not loving them well in the way Anthony and I think about it. So today, Guy is going to help us with uh, how do we help in our churches, uh, same-sex attracted people, and then how do we help them in our families? For example, if you're a parent and your child is either embracing or dabbling in this lifestyle, what is the best thing that you can do? So Guy, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background, about strength and weakness, the ministry, and then uh, Anthony and I will have some questions for you. Uh, thanks so much. I feel so honored and privileged to be with you both and uh, love this podcast. So thanks for including me. Uh, yes, uh, my name is Guy Hammond. I, uh, I'm a Canadian. Uh, lived in Canada my whole life. Yes. And uh, yeah, right. So Bobby's a Canadian too. I don't know if you're if your listeners recognize that, but um, anyway, uh, I grew up going to church and um, grew up in a in a Christian family. Uh, but I started to recognize around the age of 12 that I was experiencing something different than what my friends were experiencing. When you go through this thing called puberty, you begin to, my friends were recognizing an, uh, an attraction to girls, but I wasn't. Uh, I began to recognize very early that my attraction was to the same gender. I didn't know what it was called at the time. I didn't know terms like homosexual, gay, or anything like that. I just knew that what I was experiencing was different. Um, but after a period of time, when I began to realize what was going on, uh, you know, it became very alarming to me because certainly what I had been taught growing up in the church and the message in the church was that homosexuality was, was sinful and not what God intended for human sexuality. And, uh, so I'll tell you that, you know, my teen years were very confusing. Um, I, I, I never chose to be attracted to the same sex. I've never met anybody who actually chose such a thing. Uh, how much of it was nature? How much of it was uh, nurture? You know, I don't really know. I will tell you as a point of personal history that I was sexually molested by a man when I was eight years old. So that couldn't have helped. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, it's just a, a capability that, that I had, uh, again, that I never chose. And so through my teen years, I felt 
very alone, very isolated, and so, um, you know, feeling like God had left me, unsure of why it was that I had been given this capability that I didn't ask for. Through my teen years, I, I had a boyfriend. His name was Carl. It was a relationship we had to keep very quiet. And um, by the time I was getting into my late teens, I pretty much decided to give up on God, church, and Bible. It's not that I didn't believe in God. I just didn't think he believed in me. And uh, it was at that time I decided to move to Toronto, Canada's largest city. And I uh, dived headfirst into the gay community there. Uh, crossed a lot of dangerous lines. I lived a very reckless life, very promiscuous life in homosexuality. And by the time I was about 24, I knew my life was in trouble. I had acted out hundreds of times with different men by that age. And I knew I needed some, some kind of, uh, I needed some kind of, I needed help. Uh, right in God's perfect timing, he sent somebody who invited me to a church. And I was very hesitant to go to church, but uh, decided to go. And it wasn't like the church I had grown up in. Uh, certainly the church taught the same things on regards to sexual ethics, but, uh, you know, I felt like it was a church that was willing to work with me and help me to try to figure this out. Uh, it took me about two years of going to this church before I just finally decided to embrace Christ and leave my gay life behind. Uh, so for two years, I heard the message, I built relationships with Christians. I went to church every Sunday all at the same time, still living my gay life, sleeping around with guys and very involved in the gay community. But after about two years, I decided I wanted Jesus more than I wanted homosexuality. And um, I was baptized on August 15th, 1987, long time ago. And uh, I can tell you, uh, I've not participated in any kind of homosexual activity since my conversion what, 36, 37 years ago. I left it behind. Um, I guess the, the final piece of information uh, is that I spent a lot of years trying to become attracted to girls, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, that's not happened. So even though I've uh, not participated in any kind of homosexual activity since my conversion, um, the truth is I'm just as attracted to men today as they became a Christian in 1987, hasn't even altered. Uh, so, you know, I've spent the last, you know, 36, 37 years doing the best I can to submit this thing that feels very natural and real to me and submit it to, to Christ and follow his plan for my life, as opposed to following my plan for my life. Um, I've since married, um, actually on my second wife, my, my first wife, we were together for 28 years, raised a family with four kids. She passed away a few years ago of brain cancer. I've since remarried to another beautiful Christian woman. So I, I kind of consider myself to be a living, breathing, walking miracle. Uh, I'm not even attracted to women, and now I'm on my second wife. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I just, uh, it's uh, been the joy of my life to be able to uh, follow God's plan and um, be married to these wonderful women and raise a family. It's something I never thought that uh, I would ever get the opportunity to do, but um, God's been so kind to me. So... Anyway, I now run this ministry, Strength and Weakness, and it's just my attempt, Bobby, to try to offer some pragmatic and real help to my brothers and sisters in the faith who are also attracted to the same gender, but looking for some assistance. And uh, so our ministry now is helping thousands of Christians in over 90 countries around the world. And uh, we uh, offer Bible studies and 
support groups and and whatnot uh, in three languages, helping Christians all over the world uh, deal with uh, their same gender attractions. And we also help parents, Christian parents who have a gay child. And uh, we've got hundreds and hundreds of Christian parents, grandparents all over the world that we're helping as well navigate their way through those rocky waters. Well, Guy, that that is a great summary for us as we uh, as we start here. Um, I, I want everybody to know that in 2024, uh, Guy will be publishing a book with Renew.org uh, that is designed to help with these questions at a at a more in depth and practical way. So I wanted to call that out. Uh, we want everybody to know about your website. Can you tell us what that website is again, Guy? Yeah, it's strength in in strength in weakness dot org and uh we've got so much material on there bobby uh there's videos and articles and podcasts and the whole the whole shooting match and i would certainly encourage again any parents or grandparents who are trying to navigate these rocky waters with their kids or grandkids um, a lot of help available there for them as well okay great well anthony i know you've got to, got to have a question i'm gonna let you go first and then i had a practical question i wanted to ask Sure, sure. So, Guy, walk us through um, the point where you decided to, uh, hey, I'm going to pursue a wife, um, even with the challenges that you have and the attractions that you have, um, and, and, and help us to understand that. Because as I've, I mean, I've heard you speak several times, and I know, you know, that's an interesting one. And that's a question that I've had to say, well, okay, how does that how do you walk that out? And not just once, but twice, uh, given those uh, internal struggles. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, I, I, I never wanted to live life alone. I always wanted to be able to share all that life has to offer with another human being. When I was becoming a Christian, uh, it seemed impossible to me that I would ever be with a woman. Uh, I'd never had a girlfriend before. I'd never kissed a girl before. I'd I was thinking to myself, I mean, what on earth would I even do with a girl? I don't know. So I, when I was becoming a Christian, I just thought, well, I, I'm making also a commitment now to live a celibate life as I strive to honor Christ and I will never be in a romantic relationship. That was what I thought was happening. But a few years after my conversion, I did meet this wonderful Christian woman who just became really my best friend and her name was Kathy. And after a while, I just couldn't imagine living my life without her. And, you know, I, I fell in love with her. It's true. I was not physically attracted to her the way a heterosexually attracted man would be, but there were so many other things that I was attracted to her, her personality, uh, the things we held in common, our common goals in Christ. Uh, the, 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 I so much enjoyed spending time with her. So I just thought, am I going to lose out on this amazing uh, opportunity to be able to share life with somebody just because I'm not physically attracted. I thought, you know, I don't want my physical attraction and, and the fact that that's missing to be a defining part of my life. Uh, Jesus is my Lord. He's the one I've decided to follow. And, uh, and I, I could see myself living with this woman and us honoring God together, even though I have this, you know, deficiency in my life. So uh, I asked Kathy to marry me. She said yes. And, um, so as I said, we were married for 28 years and raised a family with four kids. Um, I I would be lying, Anthony, if I told you it was always easy 
being homosexually attracted and married to a woman, uh, you know, it's, um, it takes a lot of uh, self-discipline. It takes a lot of determination. It takes a lot of communication between my wife and I to uh, share how, what we're thinking, how we're feeling, uh, how we're going to make this work. But, um, you know, my message to people is, listen, if, if the number one uh, motivator for you having a relationship is physical attraction, you're going to be left very disappointed in life. Because as we all know, as we get older, bodies mm-hmm. change, you know, a lot of things happen in life. And, you know, uh, you know, if, if the number one, uh, again, propellant to your success in a relationship is going to be physical attraction, you know, that's pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all the other things that come together that help determine the success of a loving, caring, God-centered relationship. And that's what Kathy and I focused on and now Laura and I. Um, So you got me. I'm deficient in physical attraction. I'm not attracted to Laura either physically the way a heterosexually attracted man would be. But we just refuse to let that be a defining part of our relationship. Uh, Also, I'll say this. I consider it not only an honor and a privilege to uh, love these women, the way God has called me to, but it's also a stewardship issue as, as a husband and as a man of God, that God is giving me this responsibility. And then I'll say, um, it's not that I don't find Laura beautiful. I think Laura is very beautiful. I'm just not physically attracted to her, but I, I, uh, tell my wife every day that I think she's beautiful. I I kind of use this example. Um, you know, the other night I saw a beautiful sunset. Uh, it was stunning uh, to see what God created. Uh, and I praised God for the sunset. I wasn't physically attracted. I wasn't sexually attracted to the sunset, but I could appreciate its beauty and what God created. Uh, or if I have a rose, I'll hold, hold a rose in my hand and I'll say, God, look look what you made. This is incredible. It's beautiful. It smells pretty. It's delicate. I'll be amazed at the rose, but I'm not sexually attracted to the rose. Likewise with my wife, uh, I, she's like my rose. Mm. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. She's delicate. She smells pretty. God made her for me. Okay. I'm not sexually attracted to her, but I can appreciate its beauty. And when I look at my wife, that's what I see. This a wonderful, amazing, beautiful person that God created for me to take care of. And um, so I think looking at life through that lens has helped me to live a life where I've had very happy, successful, God-centered, love-filled marriages, even though I'm homosexually attracted. Hey, Guy, thank you for that. That's uh, a very encouraging, I hope. I have a question, though, from a, from the your wife's point of view. Uh, for one, <laughs> should, uh, should I go get her? <laughs> like, uh, talk to us about their perspective on uh, being married to a man who's not sexually attracted to them? Well, I would say that, uh, you know, you got to be a special woman. Uh, I think our challenge is, is magnified by the fact that not only is that our reality, but I spend the majority of my time traveling around the world, speaking in churches and Christian universities, telling everybody that I'm not physically attracted to my wife. So, both Kathy and Laura have had to be really uh, strong in their security of how I feel about them. And of course, these are things that we've had to talk out at length uh, for us to allow ourselves to be this transparent and open with, with uh, complete strangers uh, all the time. Um, you know, 
Bobby, I have, um, I would like to think, you know, while I've not been very successful at most things in life, the, the one thing I've done well at is that I'm a pretty good husband. I think one of the things that has allowed me to do this is um, I've really leaned in on a few things that, that has allowed us to be successful. I'm, I'm really strong in physical touch throughout the day. I hold my wife's hand. I rub her back. I, a lot of physical touch throughout the day. I'm very strong in my uh, words of affirmation. Several times throughout the day, I tell my wife how much I love her, uh, how beautiful she is. Lots of words of affirmation. Uh, you know, um, I'm great at serving my wife. That, that's been helpful. So I've really zeroed in on I guess, the love languages that make my wife feel secure and loved. And I do those things very consistently. Um, you know, I don't know how open you want us to be in this call. Maybe this is the part you'll cut out, but I'll just say that when it comes to even sexual intimacy, um, you know, that is my wife and I have a, uh, a wonderful sexual relationship. Uh, again, that's not always easy for a homosexually attracted man, but to me, it's a stewardship issue. Uh, and, uh, I think through loving communication and kindness and uh, being patient with each other uh, that has allowed us to even quote unquote be successful there so none of it's easy but i think both of us working together keeping jesus at the center of things and being kind while we do it has really allowed us to accomplish that i i really appreciate you being explicit like that and i think we need to keep the keep we'll keep this in the podcast because one of the things that I think is so important is that for same-sex attracted people, especially young same-sex attracted people, for them to envision a life where they're being faithful to God, and we typically say single and celibate uh, the rest of your life with high involvement and family and church. In fact, you're describing, and I would argue most same-sex attracted people throughout history have been involved in uh, marriages like yours. It was just they hit it. And if you can be open about it and transparent and love each other the way you're describing, I actually think that that's a great vision for, um, for a lot of men and women out there. So thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, thank you. Anthony, I'm going to... Uh, uh, throw it all back to you. Yeah. So, Guy, um, a friend of mine who's also a minister, we were talking about a, a situation that we have in our churches. Um, you know, we preach the word, we teach the word, uh, we don't hold back, we don't cater it to, well, I see this person in the audience, so I'll go in this direction. We just give the truth as it is. And sometimes when we're speaking about what the Bible teaches about uh, homosexuality or transgenderism or anything in that, you know, vicinity, LGBTQ, um, we know that it's going to garner some, you know, some, some, some kind of you know, frustration for some or some, oh, that's, you know, because everybody there may have a family member or a friend that they know struggles in that area. But here's the dynamic that we've also noticed, and I want you to speak to this uh, in advising ministers or churches how to respond. We've also got a um, contingent of young adults who are same-sex attracted, who attend regularly. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's like, okay, I, I know that you know that what God's word teaches, but they continue to come. And so we are looking at, okay, how do we best care for them, teach them, disciple them without it being as the culture would, because there's two sides of what's going on in the culture. There's the side of, hey, we fully embrace it, let's have pride. But then there's the other side that is bashing, et cetera. And so we're kind of like, okay, what do we do here? Because they are still coming and they're still desiring. Um, what's, a, what's a good way that a church, a minister uh, could, could help to support and care for those who are same-sex attracted? Well, the first thing we want uh, people to know is that um, if you're striving to follow Christ and um, you're homosexually attracted, God is not ashamed of you. He's not embarrassed of you. And uh, the church is not complete without you. Uh, we need uh, these men and women who are homosexually attracted in the church. Uh, and so uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, God loves you immensely and uh, prayerfully, hopefully, uh, you will feel that love through relationships uh, in the church also. Um, you know, we, we uh, want same-sex attracted people to know who are striving to follow Christ that although the culture calls out and says, this is what your identity is, we want you to know, no, Jesus is your identity. And so don't give this thing that much power in your life. You know, the truth is, Anthony, I don't think God stays up late at night worrying about what any of us are attracted to. I think we're all attracted to different things from one degree to another. If you were to ask your church on Sunday morning, ask every member to stand up and share about what they're honestly attracted to deep down inside where nobody else goes, and every member actually stood up and did that, the place would get quiet really fast, okay? So um, there's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to be heterosexually attracted to be a follower of Christ. Uh, for the Christian, our tagline is, the opposite of homosexuality is not heterosexuality. For the Christian, the opposite of homosexuality is holiness. What we're striving to do is live a holy life. So if you're homosexually attracted or dealing with transgender feelings and emotions, listen, uh, God asks all of us to submit our sexuality to Christ. Welcome to the party. Uh, you know, I'm sorry you're going through this challenge. It must be difficult for you, but God loves you. He thinks you're amazing. Go do something great for God with your life. Who cares what you're attracted to? Uh, strive to live a life where you honor God, live a holy life. That is the goal. Uh, what you're attracted to, listen, these things come and go, change from one degree to another, and we're all experiencing different areas of weakness. Following Christ, you know, when you give your life to Jesus in baptism, uh, our hearts may change immediately in our, our repentance of wanting to follow Jesus, but there are so many other areas of our broken selves that it, it, following Christ is hardly a, a microwave experience. Uh, we progress in our faith. We all start here. We all end up there. And, and this kind of change sometimes takes years. So be patient with yourself. Trust in God's grace. Trust in his forgiveness and keep striving to live a holy life. Don't worry about the fact of what you're attracted to. Guy, are there some uh, helpful things that we should know or be thinking about with uh, women who are attracted to the same sex? And so... Um, um, let me just uh, ask you to address that. One of the things specifically is that uh, there's an increasing number of women who've become uh, so disappointed and wounded by relationships with men 
that now they're experiencing relationships with other women. And just with your experience with the Ministry of Strength and Weakness, can you also address that for us? Yeah, great question. Um, statistically, seven times uh, more men uh, deal with attractions of the same gender, seven times more than, than uh, the women statistically. Um, it's, a, it's a different uh, a different animal, a different beast. Um, some of the denominators of what uh, typically uh, cause same-sex attraction for men, some of the common denom denominators are there, but um, you know, a lot of them are, are, are different as well. And as you spoke to Bobby, so much of um, lesbianism uh, is more focused on uh, relationship uh, than uh, sex itself. Um, and what you said is exactly what's happening in our world today, uh, where women have been terribly mistreated by different men, whether that's a father, a brother, an uncle, a grand grandfather, or maybe a, a man in a uh, romantic relationship who's horribly abused them. And maybe this has gone on far too long or happened way too often. And so there are women who will say, you know what, I, I don't trust men. I don't want to be around men. I don't feel safe around men, but I do want to be in a loving, caring relationship with another human being. And so I'm going to do that with a woman. Uh, it's more focused on the relational uh, component more than it is the physical and sexual component. Uh, this is uh, taking place all over the all over our world. And, um, you know, for for women who are coming into the church, our message continues to be that uh, you belong here. Uh, you're welcome here. Uh, and you know, Jesus is now going to be your identity, but being able to be in a romantic relationship with a woman uh, would would not be possible any further. I think there are ways for all of us to be able to find healing uh, as Christians by being involved in fulfilling, loving, caring, non-sexualized relationships with people of the same gender. I think that is the key for women and for men who are same-sex attracted to learn how to be in relationship with uh, someone of the same gender uh, where Christ is at the center, uh, where uh, it's a non-sexualized relationship, uh, that is the key over a period of time of being able to find the kind of healing that we need. I'll tell you, as a homosexually attracted man coming into the church, the, the world of men was very confusing to me. And it's taken a lot of years for me to learn how to be in a uh, God-centered, loving, respectful relationship with other men that is non-sexualized that that took a lot of years of training and and just trying to figure it out still today after 37 years of christian living the world of men still seems different to me but uh you know one of the things that has helped me the most is by building uh, honest transparent trusting caring relationships with other men that has you know done a lot of healing in my life and i would think the same thing would be for other women too to build those kinds of relationships with women in the church that is non-sexualized Mm, that is, uh, I, I had a question that popped up when you said that towards the end, what are, when you say things are confusing for in the world of men, dig yeah. into that for us. Yeah, you know, uh, well, you know, as I was living my life into my mid twenties, the only thing that, um, uh, I knew was that if you were going to get close to a man relationally, it had to turn into a romantic and physical relationship, mm. uh, I mean, that's all I knew. That's all I understood. 
Then I come into the church and these brothers in the church are being transparent and open and honest and sharing their lives with each other and, and sharing intimate details of, of their lives and caring about one another. And they love each other, but there's no romanticism. There's, there, there's no physical attraction. And that was so strange to me. And I, I didn't know how to be in a relationship with another man who was going to share uh, his life in an open, honest and transparent way and us be that close with each other relationally and not become sexualized. I, I didn't understand that. It took, it took a long time for me to be able to uh, see God's plan in relationship with men. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, you got me, so I might as well just talk really openly and transparent here. Um, you know, in my 37 years of Christian living now, um, uh, there have been times when I have found some brothers in the church to be physically attractive and, um, you know, uh, where I have felt like my heart was going into a, an unhealthy place where I could feel uh, an unhealthy energy uh, leading me to wanting to be in a relationship with a man in the church. This has probably happened three or four times in the last 37 years. Um, and, uh, you know, when I'm talking to same-sex attracted Christians, my message to them is when this happens, not if this happens, but when this happens, when you start to feel an unhealthy relationship building in your heart uh, or a desire for relationship with somebody of the same gender in the church, um, there's just a couple of steps that are really important here that will allow you to overcome this very quickly. Number one, um, don't be surprised. We're all broken vessels. We all live in a broken and sinful world. Uh, for whatever reason, we are quote unquote wired to want to be in relationship emotionally and relationally with the same gender. When you start feeling an unhealthy relationship, wanting to build in your heart towards uh, someone of the same gender in the church, number one, don't be surprised, don't be shocked. But here are three steps that you can quickly do to overcome this. Number one, uh, bring it into the light. Uh, the, the three or four times when this has happened to me, uh, I've immediately brought it into the light. Not with the person that I'm feeling that attraction to, but with some other trusted spiritual advisors in the church where I've said, hey, listen, you need to know I'm feeling something unhealthy here. Uh, I want to bring it into the light. Nothing good grows in the darkness. Only bad things grow in the darkness. Mm -hmm. Bring it into the light uh, so that trusted spiritual advisors can hold you accountable, pray with you, ask how you're doing. That was That's step number one. Step number two, you douse it with prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to put your heart into the right place uh, in this relationship. Uh, and then number three, if you need to put in boundaries in that relationship, maybe uh, change the kind of conversations you're having, change where you're meeting with this person, or maybe you just need to take a break in that relationship completely uh, to set your heart straight, um, uh, that might be necessary. I have found in the three or four times in the last 37 years when I started feeling something ungodly in my heart towards a Christian mm -hmm. brother, I have found that by implementing those three things, bringing it into the light, dousing it with prayer, and putting boundaries on the relationship, those three things have, have changed, allowed things to change very quickly so that even within a matter of days or even a week or two, I'm at a different place and I feel like my attraction is gone now. I can move on. But uh, that, that's my advice to anybody who, who feels an attraction to the same gender in the church. Boy, that, that's really good, Guy. You know, that applies to uh, heterosexual people as well. Because ah. uh, if, we're, if we're really honest, there's been a few times in my life, I have a great marriage and my marriage has never been in jeopardy. But a couple of times I felt myself getting infatuated 
with another woman. Mm -hmm. And the process that you're talking about is the same one uh, that I've tried to follow and that I would encourage uh, people to follow. Ah, Guy, yeah. uh, let, let's, uh, can we uh, stay on this path? So let's say that I'm listening to this podcast or watching it, and uh, I hear recommendation number one for uh, envisioning life. I'm, I'm thinking of young people in particular, of envisioning life and the idea for many people of being single and celibate the rest of my life sounds lonely and not fulfilling. Now, you've been very good by both living out and promoting the idea that, you know, you can still have a, a, a heterosexual marriage and uh, as same-sex attracted people. You know, you've got to obviously be transparent about all of that and both mm -hmm. uh, parties need to desire that and be willing to commit to it. And I think that's fantastic. I think that's what a lot of people have done throughout history. Um, talk to us uh, beyond that for someone who's same-sex attracted. And right now they, they don't envision, they can't find, or they're not aware of uh, the possibility of being married. And so they're, they're looking at a life as a single person, a single celibate person. How can we help people who are in that uh, state or that stage uh, to be able to live that way. I referred in a previous podcast, just so you know, to Wesley Hill uh, in his book, Washed in Waiting, and uh, mm -hmm. also his website, spiritualfriendship.org, uh, talking about um, uh, relationships in the church where the church really is like a family. Is that a, is that a realistic ideal? And, and just talk to us, Guy, about uh, some things we can do to help the single celibate people. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, my experience has, has often been seeing that um, we've really done a disservice to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are not in uh, a romantic relationship or wanting to pursue marriage. Uh, if, if somehow you're a second place citizen in the church for being single and uh, what a, a horrible and sad message that has often been sent out. Uh, our value and worth to God and our value and worth to the church shouldn't be based on uh, marital status. And uh, the truth is, is that God's um, ability to work through you and you live a happy, faithful, successful Christian life and be completely fulfilled as a human being isn't going to be based on, on whether you're married or not. So I think, um, you know, my message to same-sex attracted people would be if, if you don't think that marriage is something you're interested in, or maybe it is, but you just don't see uh, that coming down the pike here in the immediate future, uh, and you just don't know what God's plan is. Listen, go go live your life. Uh, don't don't let this be a defining part of your life. Somehow thinking that uh, you're not going to be able to live a happy, faithful, successful life if you're not married. Uh, there are when it comes to same sex attraction, certainly many many people who decide to get married as as I have, and if that's something that you want, you pray about that and and open yourself up to. Uh, being in a romantic and loving and caring relationship with somebody the opposite sex, su success, sorry, the opposite sex, and and our ministry is here to help you. Uh, but you know what? There's also so many same-sex attracted brothers and sisters in Christ who just can't imagine crossing that bridge. Where like that's just a bridge too far. Uh, and if if that's where you're at, listen. Um, the, the body of Christ and your brothers and sisters in Christ. The key here is to have strong, caring, loving relationships with people. If, if Christianity is not supposed to be 
a spectator sport. And Christianity is not supposed to be, you know, you living on a desert island emotionally and relationally. A lot of, a lot of Christians try to live that way, and that's just not God's plan. If you want right. to live uh, the, the kind of life that God has envisioned for you in the church, it's got to be in relationship with other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. And you've got to lean in, uh, in on that in order to be able to experience all the full blessings uh, of the church. Uh, and so if you're thinking, ah, I'm just, I don't want to be around people. I don't like talking to people. I'm just going to be by myself. It's not that you can't be a Christian and, and live that way if you want to, I suppose, but boy, you're sure missing out on so much that God has got planned for you relationally within the church, whether you're single or married. Mm. Oh, um, thank you for that guy. Uh, listen, we, we're respectful of your time. We know you've got a lot. I just have one more question that I wanted to, uh, get in before we get out. Um, and, and that is speak a word to parents um, mm. who have children who are or, or may show signs of, of same sex attraction. I know for some uh, parent that that is like a fear of theirs or phobia. I, I wouldn't want my child to even have that uh, attraction. But if they do, then yeah. it becomes a challenge as well as, okay, how do we navigate this in a loving and Christ-like way? Speak a word to those parents. Well, yeah, that's a great point. First of all, let me just, you know, tell parents, um, the goal is not that your kids not be same-sex attracted. The goal for your children's lives is they be in a relationship with Jesus and they become Christians. If it turns out that your child or grandchild is homosexually attracted, uh, uh, that is not going to be uh, the worst thing that will happen to them in their lives. Uh, I will tell you as a homosexually attracted Christian man, I would rather uh, be a Christian who's homosexually attracted than be a non-Christian who's heterosexually attracted. So, uh, you know, the, the worst thing that's going to happen in your child's life is not that they're going to be homosexually attracted. I get it. You don't want your kid to experience that because there's some unique challenges that come with uh, being homosexually attracted in our world today, especially if you want to follow Jesus, but that's not going to be the, the biggest problem. Um, uh, if your child is homosexually attracted uh, or coming out and, and saying that they're trans or listen, these are tough times for parents in our world today. Uh, my heart goes out to you. If you just heard this information and this is new information to you, I know that it can feel like a bomb has gone off in the middle of your home. And you're wondering how on earth are we going to put the pieces back together again? And I know there are other parents watching this right now who have had have known this information maybe for years and you've had sleepless nights, a lot of crying out in prayer, and you long for resolution. Um, you want to be able to uh, know that there's a, a reason for this, a, a destination. Uh, and because... Um, you know, same-sex attraction for the individual going through it and for the parent is rife with hardship and sleepless nights and mental anguish and hours of prayer. We want to know that there's a meaning for this. Uh, our desire is for resolution and uh, finding a, a reason for what we're going through is natural. It's understandable. But, you know, Jesus calls us to, to submit our demand for urgency about resolution because more important than us getting our answers is simply trusting God in the midst of mystery, which is not easy for any of us to do. Uh, so if you're going through this, let me just say a few things. If your child is really young, let's say your kid is 12, 13 years old, and your child comes home and announces that they think they're homosexually attracted or trans, 
our message is this, don't freak out. Uh, listen, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a pirate, okay? But my parents didn't rush off, cut off a leg, give me a peg leg and pluck out an eye and give me a patch because they knew I wanted to be a pirate. They knew by the time I was 18 or 20, I wouldn't want to be a pirate anymore. It's the same way when your kid comes home and announces that they think they're gay or trans at the age of 12. It might be uh, something very real that they're experiencing. It might also be something that is propelled by the need to belong and because it, it's right now it's the cool thing to do and because uh, social media is encouraging you to do this. You don't know at the age of 12 or 13 what it is your kid is experiencing. So my message is don't freak out, stay calm. What you want to do is keep the conversation going. What you want to do is find out from your child, why are you thinking this? What, what are you experiencing? Tell me your story. Uh, tell me uh, what's happened that's letting you think this. And you know, my other message to parents is, is that um, a high percentage of, of children change what they're attracted to between the ages of 12 and 18, up to five or six times. So, you know, I know when you hear this message from your kid at the age of 11 or 12 that they think they're trans or gay, I know that's not what you want to hear. I know it may be like you think your head is going to explode, but listen, stay calm, keep the conversation going. Uh, that is going to be key as you build a relationship with your child and help them understand what it is they're experiencing. Um, as you go through this, my message to parents um, is, number one, focus on your child's spirituality, not on what they say they're attracted to. That's number one. Number two, if your child is genuinely suffering uh, with same-sex attraction issues or feeling incongruence with their natal sex, uh, and this is something that is real and your child is now hitting 18, 19, or 20, and you realize, ah, this, this is for real. This wasn't a phase. This wasn't spurred on by social media. This is something my child is really going through. You know, my message to the parent is, release yourself of any blame. Uh, these are complex issues and it would be embarrassingly simplistic to rush to the assumption that what your child is experiencing is because somehow you as a parent made a mistake along the way or several mistakes. Were you the perfect parent? Of course you weren't. Uh, but remember this, there was a time when God only had two kids to take care of and he couldn't keep them faithful either. Okay. So uh, God, God had two, two kids called Adam and Eve that, you know, things didn't go so well. So listen, parenting is tough. These are complex issues. It would be way too simplistic to rush to the assumption that somehow this is your fault or your spouse's fault. And, and the parents start fighting with each other about who did what, or you should have, you should have spent more time with them. You should have done this. You should have, listen, release, release yourself of blame. The other thing I would say to parents, uh, is to take care of yourself. Uh, take care of yourself, take care of your marriage, uh, for your child to have hope. They need to see mom and dad getting along, loving Jesus, uh, loving each other, uh, as, as, as parents should, uh, so do that. And then the final thing I would say is be ready for the long game. Uh, you, life is long and, uh, you know, your child is going to go on their journey. You can't finish your child's story for them. They're going to have to finish it themselves. And so while your child makes decisions that no doubt you'll disagree with and that could cause you great anguish, our message is lean in on the love. Love your child, even though they may be living a life you don't agree with. 
care for your child, love your child, uh, and pray like crazy for the Holy Spirit to work and maneuver his way through their lives to bring them to a place of faith. Uh, the ultimate goal we have for your child is not that they're not being same-sex attracted. The ultimate goal we have for your child, no matter what age they are, is that they come into a relationship with Jesus. And so that may happen when they're teens. That might happen when they're in their 30s, 40s, or 50s. You may not even live to see it happen. Uh, but you stay faithful. You love the Lord. You love your child. And you pray like crazy and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. Amen. Amen. God, thank you for that. Uh, really appreciate that word to uh, parents. Um, Bobby, you have any uh, closing remarks you want to make with us? Well, I, I want to thank Guy again uh, for his input. I want to encourage people to look forward to some resources in 2024. Anthony, you and Michelle Eagle have a book coming out on identity, on how our primary identity is in Christ. It's not our sexual orientation, skin color, or anything like that. It's in Christ. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to look forward to Guy's book through Renew in 2024. Uh, I want to encourage everybody, as we've said, strengthinweakness.org. And if you're just listening to this podcast and you didn't hear the two previous ones where we dealt with the biblical texts, I would encourage everybody to go back and listen to those. So, Guy, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you, Anthony. And it's just been a great time to be together. Awesome. Awesome. We'll see you on next time in Scripture in Black and White. Thank you for listening to Scripture in Black and White. Please comment, like, and subscribe. Coming up next, Ephesians 5 and 25, Ways to Be a Jesus-Like Husband.